everyone, Jane A here from Your Weight Loss. And today with us, we have the legendary James Smith, basically Jane A sandwich with James Smith in the middle. Everyone, you need to go on YouTube and watch this podcast. Yeah. I feel like I feel like this podcast might beat with the one we had our husbands on. Let's let's beat that, guys. Guys, you can do better. We had our our husbands on the podcast, and they the the humans loved it. They were like, "Oh my god, you guys are the best, James. You can you got this. You can do better. I know that you can bring bring us more people." Yeah, I'm hoping. Uh, I, no pressure now. I don't want to disappoint. So, to review, we're one minute in, and we've already asked him to replace our husbands. <laughs> Um, everyone needs to know that while we were waiting for James, um, Alicia yelled at Neil and was like, Neil, I'm going to have the biggest interview of my life in two minutes. Can you please not make any sounds while washing the dishes? <laughs> Joe, I, had a, I had a similar thing here. Where my housemates are watching football. So I came down and I was like, I'm going to need you guys to kind of turn that down a little bit. I'm the same whenever I've got a podcast. My, my housemates are like, what? So we can't cook? We can't use the front room? I'm like, yeah, that's exactly right, lads. And I left my whole family at my mom's next door. Do not come to the house until I text you that it's over. <laughs> Everyone's like, love you. Have fun. Good luck. <laughs> this is our lives, James. You're a big deal in our lives. You are a big I deal. Like, our, I mean, you know, you're a big deal. But like with our followers, when we shared and posted, they were like, oh, my gosh, I asked them to ask me questions. I can't share most of them on on social media, but they just they're so excited for us. That's um, it's very flattering to know that because where exactly in the world are you? We so, are in New East Coast, Canada. East, but did I see Brunswick? East, was, New no, Brunswick. New Brunswick. New Brunswick. Okay. New Brunswick. I've, I've never been there. And well, I've been to Canada, I've been to Toronto. Okay. But I, when I went to America and when I've been to, well, I haven't been to Canada recently enough, I feel like no one knows who I am or what I do. So I'm kind of flattered whenever anyone in America or Canada is even like, I was in the gym in Texas and a guy was like, you're that guy. I was like, fuck off, no way. This is the furthest away from home that anyone's ever known what I do. So uh, no, I'm incredibly flattered that you'd feel that way. Oh, um, oh, oh, if you make it to New Brunswick, you definitely, we've done our job to promote you in New Brunswick. You do not have to worry about that. If you had to sell New Brunswick to an English person you didn't know, what would you use to sell it? Space. Space, space, and space. Beautiful beaches and space. Does it get warm? Yes. yes in the summer in the summer so right now okay so right now we're actually 15 hours behind you so it's wednesday evening you're like how's the future looking james it's our like it's our um a mom joke of when we interview people from australia how's the future looking future's good 9 a.m on thursday we're, we're good it's uh sun's just coming out it's gonna be a good day okay i, I hear the birds chirping um yesterday on my walk it was minus 28 degrees celsius yeah, that's a, that's a no for me. It could be a good place to be. I like that you have the extremes of both ends because in Toronto, it's the same. I was swimming in lakes that had ice skating signs next to them. And I was like, wow, I'm tanning now. But in the winter, I could be skating on that. For an English person, that's very hard to fathom because if it gets to minus two, you're like, oh, don't go outside. Um, so I actually see you're saying that you're coming in, the, in July and we're going to host you and it's going to be warm and sunny <laughs> and nice. Like, got it. Just send us a DM anytime. I actually think I might be over that time. 
uh, well, there's going to be an impromptu trip to Vegas at some point, but that's going to, I'll cover that off on one of your questions. Oh, Alicia already knows about the trip and who's going with you because she's obsessed. <laughs> Wait, I'm not even kidding. Did you know about this trip, Alicia? Of course I did. Uh, James, uh, the amount, the things I have to say. Listen. I, yeah. Okay. Um, Anyway, I know what you mean about Four Seasons. I used to live in England, actually. I lived there for two years. And it's just like this all the time. Little little dips and troughs. And when I was there once when they got this much snow. And uh, everyone freaked out. Everyone's driving slow. It's so funny. Yeah, it's, it's great. That's the toughest part of it. Once you've been... To, when I came to Australia, I'd lived in the UK all my life until I was 27. And I always thought this was just normal. Then when I came to Australia where it's sunny the majority of the time. I went back to the UK, I was like, wow. I was like, sounds bad, but this is kind of depressing. You know, at least give us proper seasons. Like in Australia, when it rains, it rains. Like it hurts, it's raining so hard. And I'm like, yeah, I like it. Whereas in the UK, it's like drizzle or it's just depressingly moist on the ground. And I'm like, it's too wet to skateboard. And then it's like that for two weeks. And I'm like, I didn't even know when it rained, it's just wet. I actually know exactly what you mean. Um, okay, so you, did you go for your morning dip? Yes, 100%. Actually, this morning, uh, I had a, a little timing. I thought the podcast was at 8, so I got ready for 8, which is no problem. So I got out of bed at 7, had a bit of a lay-in, and I thought to myself, am I going to have time for a dip? And I was like, fuck yeah. And this morning was a great one. Came down to my housemate, said, yeah, Cam, you coming for a dip? He's like, now. Nah. I was like, wow. It's like, oof. You know, he's a bit hungover. So I get in my car, go down and today, because I'm on my own, I stopped at the cafe, got two coffees, one for the way down, one for the way back. Because I want to be caffeinated when I do a pod, and I don't want to stop twice for a coffee because I'm on a time limit. Then when I parked at Bronte Beach, I was like, you know what, I'm going to leave my phone in the car. And I went and did the whole dip, distraction-free, just with my keys, went into the change room, had a dip on my own. The water's cold, the sun's coming up, where well, it's been up for about an hour, but it's coming up through the clouds. And... Um, it just, any aches or pains I have in my body, that one minute in the water just alleviates it. And the water's really clear. It's like a, in, in Sydney, the pools that, or the beaches that you have have a little pool at the end. So Bronte's got this little uh, man-made pool, which is only 30 meters long, but the locals can just go swim lengths for free. So you don't pay entry or anything. There's change rooms with warm showers. So every beach you go to has a pool. And uh, on days where the waves are massive, like today, you just jump in the pool and the waves crash into it and overflow the pool and it just adds that little element of danger that you have. And then, yeah, I came back and I was like, I was, I'm ready for the day. And I couldn't believe there was even a trailer thought in me before that I was gonna get on my day without having a dip. I was literally with you in the water. Like you brought us on a journey. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually used to live in Curl Curl. Okay, Northern Beaches. It's, yeah. nice, it's nice up there, isn't it? You're a well-traveled young lady, aren't you? I got, I had a whole life before this old, old lady got married and had babies. I love Coco, fresh water, uh, yeah. the northern beaches. It feels like you're almost in a different part of Australia. It's quite like disconnected from everywhere else. Uh, yeah. Question, why, why did you leave? Why did I leave? Yeah. It was so far away. I, yeah, I, do you know what? People say this, but, you know, flying, all right, you have to get from New York to New Brunswick. It's a day of your life. You know, you're not doing that and making plans in the evening. You're like, oh, I'll be fucked, right? It's a day of your life. When you fly for 21 hours, it's also a day of your life. You just sleep on the journey. So I kind of call bullshit on this, where people go, oh, it's so fast to travel. 
Yeah, on a plane, as far as miles and kilometers and the amount of like distance, yeah, and the jet lag, yeah. But traveling anywhere in the world is a day. And, you know, if something was to happen, I could be home tomorrow and I can travel back in time. Let's not forget the time travel, right? Right. I, le I left here on a Tuesday at midday. I was already bored at home in my mom's kitchen at Wednesday lunchtime. Yeah. It's true. It does go fast. It was like more like I was ready to start a family. I wanted to be near near home and I loved it. It was gorgeous. It was like one of the best years. We ended up living right on the beach, like legit an apartment building right on the beach. So it was such a cool experience. I used to go for a walk along the path. I love how Australians are so active. Yeah. And out, outside you, because I suppose if I was in Canada, when it gets cold, that would just be a perfect reason to stay inside. It is, but you kind of have to force yourself out a little bit. And we actually are kind of the culture at Your Way Weight Loss. A lot of our members are walkers. And we've really like kind of encouraged our members to no matter what, get outside and get walking. And there's skiing, skating, snowshoeing. Doesn't it sound fun? When does it, when does it get dark in the winter? What time? Oh, don't even tell them. It depends. Sometimes it's like no. four. Okay, four so minutes. it's about So like um, we have similar kind of weather patterns. I like... Because I assume it's because we're close to the equator in Sydney that the weather in the when you probably lose a couple hours here and there, but the sun always comes up about six, six thirty. Sun always goes down about seven or eight. But in the UK, I feel like when the sun comes up at four a.m. in the summer, it's a fucking waste. Don't need that. I'd rather have it in the in the winter because the the the, the darkness is what kills me off. And it's something I've been learning about recently is how important it is to get sunlight in your eyes when you start the day. And when it's, when it's dark and miserable, it just makes me not want to get on and attack the day. And you know what? The awesome part about where we live too, even though the day it was minus 28, blue sky, not a cloud, blue, beautiful. Like I wear sunscreen every day when I'm walking outside. Yeah. yeah, now you're selling it to me. Now that's something. I mean, she's working hard over here. I'm bringing you back to July where the sun goes down at 10 p.m., wakes up at 6 a.m. And like Jose Jose lives probably five minutes from the beach, five minutes from the ocean. Right on the water as well. Poutine, Tim Hortons, Tim Bits. You know it. You're ready. <laughs> I spent I spent a month in uh, Toronto. I dated a Canadian chick for a while. So fact, Tell us like, they, they they looked after me for a bit. They were like, uh, she she was at my university. She rode horses on a scholarship, and then she was like, "Do you want to come back to Canada?" I was like, "Yeah." Uh, so I went to see the Blue Jays. Drank beers did my first keg stand nice at, at a house party funny nice. story we were with my the girl i was seeing at the time with her older brother and he was like i can't remember the guy's name but it was like bill or something oh bill's having a house party we go to bill's house party we turn up we knock on the door the guy answers and he looks at us he goes fuck it's the wrong bill his friends had said oh you need to go see bill when you're there not realizing he didn't actually know this bill that well so we turned up and the guy was like dan and he was like yeah he was like bro I've come to the wrong house party. I thought you were someone different. And then there was about a three second pause. He's like, come on in. And then as I was introducing myself, some guy was like, hold on, are you British? I was like, yeah, he's like, keg stand. Took me straight to the deck, got the, the barrel of beer, the little squirty gun, hold me upside down, squirt beer in my mouth. It was a great night, but don't tell anyone about this. I got smashed. And in the morning, the girl I was seeing, she was like, fucking hell, James. I go, what? She goes, we're obviously all smashed, but she goes, we turned our back on you for a minute and you had a stop sign. 
she goes, that's super fucking illegal here to, to pick up a stop sign. So I, I must have somehow wiggled it out the ground and thought it'd be funny to pick up a stop sign and go for a walk with it. In the end, her brother was like, you need to get rid of that now. So we went and we tried to put it back where it was originally erected. And to this day, I, I can't really remember what happened with it, but I was in trouble with the, with the family the next day. Oh, wow. wow. I mean, that sounds like a lot of my university days walking home from the bar. If you, if you woke up and there wasn't an object in your home that you didn't originally have, it wasn't a good night. Exactly. All right. I feel like I'm just here watching you two just like hitting old days. You know, I have nothing in common with anything that you guys have said. I have not been to Australia. I don't drink. Like, Never done I, got a married, I got married when I was 23. Okay, some 0% beer. Get your day in the handstand. We can, well, do you know what? I'm happy to show you some of the, the, the real Canadian experiences if you like. If you come to New Brunswick, I will do a beer stand, you guys called it. Keg stand. I will do that for you, James. <clears throat> I actually our, our feel like loves this right you, now. You would, you would love it here. Uh, you, we'd have one good epic party. You would get along with the boys. You would, it was, <laughs> we have so many craft beer places to bring you to. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm ready. So the reason why, okay. Why do we love James Smith? Why does the internet love James Smith so much? Why do you think that? Oh, it's kind of, everything to me is kind of just weird. I don't sit back and go, oh, I've got 909,000 followers on Instagram. To me, it's like a, a little game. I used to play games when I was younger, if I'm honest. And uh, I used to love gaming. Even recently during lockdown, played a lot of Call of Duty. It's all about getting a high score. So in the onset, it, it did start as being and posting helpful content for people online. And I still like to think I do that. But then at the same time, I've become twisted up in this competitive game. Like imagine this, Luke, who booked the podcast, me and him are like best mates. And obviously we're both trying to grow my social media platform. So even when I just hit 909 this morning from 908, we race each other to see who can tell the other person first that we've gone up a thousand followers. I've turned everything into a game, right? I've even got Cam, my housemate, I created a playlist this week where I play a song and if I get him to sing it, I score 1-0. If he sings the second song, it's 2-0. He's not even playing this, this game, it's just for me. So like, I'm some sick and twisted individual that loves to gamify everything. So I've completely removed myself from the size of my social media following. To me, I'm like, even today before this podcast, uh, we started at 9 a.m. At 8.42, I was like, fuck. By the time I finish this podcast, I'm going to miss a posting zone. So I just posted the one I was telling you about. 8.42, I went up, recorded, did a video on body types or somatotypes, came down, edited it. And uh, yeah, it's 23 minutes ago that it just went up. I edited it and I come down. It was a four minute 40 edit. And I said to Will, it's my housemate. I, I sat down, I was screaming. I was like, I've got to get this fucking edit in under three minutes so I can post it on TikTok. I'm like, let's go. And this was with 14 minutes to the podcast. I edit it, I get it down to 2.59, so I'm one second away. I was like, don't test me. Well, it's just like, shut the fuck up. And um, then just as we started the podcast, I managed to post it at 9 a.m., which is 10 p.m. in the UK, which is an optimal posting time for engagement. This is all just a game. Like, although I appreciate the sentiment behind helping people, what drives me is the fact I've completely removed myself from it and have no idea what's actually occurring to me it's as arbitrary almost as a score in call of duty there were real people on the other end where well, i ruined their day because i was pretty good at call of duty 
But then at the same time, it's like a double-edged sword where I'm playing my game that helps people at the same time. So there is a bit of virtue with it, a bit of purpose. And to know that my sadistic game playing benefits the lives of others sweetens the deal so much more. I love I'd it. like I, to think that I'd like to think that it's because of this podcast tonight that you went from 908 to 909. It must have been, you know, it must have been that. that it's all of our followers, yes, absolutely. Okay, cool. So I, I think that again, when playing that game, I, even for instance, whenever I post something, I look in the comments and I like to see someone say that's the best post I've ever done. And if I don't see that, I I do take that on board as criticism which again is, you know, there's no reason that I should ever do that, but that's part of the game I like to play. So when you say, why are you so popular? It's probably the standards I set on myself, the commitment, consistency, uh, and also I do temperature test my audience to see what content does well and what doesn't. And, you know, like, like when you're first sexually with a partner, you need to try things and, and look for feedback or listen for feedback, right? And over time you get to understand what they really want. You can't come to the table in the bedroom with assumptions. You can't go, yeah, she's going to love this or she's going to love that. It has to be give, take, give, take, give, take and learn over time. And it could take, you know, arguably three to six months before you're really having the good sex, right? So again, I have that approach with uh, the social media standpoint where some people might think that, you know, I'm crass or audacious or, you know, facetious and all of these things. But a lot of the time, if the personas that people see that they're not potentially resonating with it can be one part of me trying to maximize my time in the social media space and two trying to play into the larger majority of the crowd i mean okay james so, just talked about sex on our podcast like this is a moment great. um okay. i mean i have a list of reasons why i think that you're so popular <laughs> would you like me to get into those for you sure yeah okay okay so um Honestly, I see your integrity, I see your value system, and I see you show up in a way in the world that not a lot of people show up. Like, you say shit, and then you do shit. And I just, that's so refreshing. Okay, I appreciate that. Um, the integrity thing is very important, especially, I don't think many people have done the years on the gym floor. They haven't done the 5 a.m. wake-ups. They haven't done, you know, the, the amount of attention you have to give a single person to earn the amount of money that you need to earn from that interaction then do it seven or eight times in a day. So, you know, I, I feel incredibly privileged to be in a position now that I get to coach clients online. So when it, being remaining or upholding a level of integrity isn't difficult because I knew how much harder it was before. So I know that a lot of people probably like the fact that I don't do paid posts, but I didn't do paid posts before. You know, so people go, why aren't you bending over backwards to get 50 grand for a post? I'm like, well, I used to give someone an hour of my time for like dollars. <laughs> you know, it's, to me, that, that side of things isn't too difficult. And, and again, I'm worried that if you lose your integrity and you start giving up integrity for money, you've just got more money. And I don't think that's a good deal. Even my business partner uh, that I run the academy with, we're on a 50-50 split pretty much. And everyone said to me, for a guy who's not invested in your bit, a guy that's not showing his face in your business, with your name on the door, that's too much. And I said, guys, if I want to make more money, I'll grow the business where we both earn more money. I almost see it as like a finite-minded approach where someone goes, to earn more money, you need a bigger shareholding. I'm like, no, fuck you. I was like, if you think that way, you're going to give someone such a small share that 
they're not going to put in all, all the commitment that you need. Instead, if you want to grow something, it should be about a larger audience, a larger reach, a larger income. It shouldn't be about having a larger shareholding. So again, with those things, I think it's just the mindset that, that comes with that. I'd rather have less money and still remain with integrity than, than go the opposite way. Well, so far you're rocking it because, and you say that so complacently, like as if that was easy, but I mean, I, I see that. I see you continually, continuously not prioritizing money. And that's something that most people in this world, that's like here for a lot of people. Yeah. I, do you know what there? And I've had some stupid purchases over the last couple of years, mostly because when I get paid for things, I get paid very well. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I think I have to be ridiculous with it. Okay. So, I like this. I got a crazy pay. So I like your gold, watch? Gold Rolex, yeah. And then I bought I bought it just so. And do you know what? For years, like I would ride the tube in London and I'd be there with sweat patches and a skateboard and I'd see the bankers look at me and they'd be like, what are you doing on a, on a train over here? You'd get looks from other guys. When guys do stuff, it's only to impress other guys, for the record. I never bought a watch to impress women. I did it to impress other dudes. So I was like, one day I'm going to walk into the news court building in London, which is where my publishers are, which is where some important bods in the world go. And I'm aware of gold fucking Rolex, just so they can go, how's that guy got a watch that's worth four times what mine is? You know, something like that. It was a bit of a dickhead move. So I bought it. And then a month ago, I sold it again. I was like, I don't fucking need this. It stresses me out. Carrying it around, I was like, this is going to be a big hangover if I lose it. Uh, and then... Yeah, I like, I like spending stuff on trips, on holidays, on experiences, more so than anything else. Uh, because I think that I say to people like, look, if I, if I buy a week in Bali in a nice villa, if I'm happy and I'm enjoying the environment, I'll probably produce better content. I'll be in a better mood. I've managed to get myself into a position where if I'm happy, that benefits my business more than kind of like having the money. Um, and also, one thing that this year I've tried a little bit harder with is spending money not on me but on other people and i know this sounds like oh my god i'm virtue signaling like oh i'm such a great guy what a philanthropist but like i actually honestly take a bit more pleasure from it like especially my mom and dad my mom and dad i was a dickhead as a teenager like really bad i'm adopted and i thought they're going to take me back until i was like <laughs> 18 and um I, I i really like giving back to them and they don't ever accept it i had to i have to hide Again, when I sold the watch, I took some of it in cash. And I, I left some for my mum. And they, my mum and dad, they, they won't take it. They're like, no, son. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not doing this. So I kind of hide it. And I'm like, mum, take it. My mum as well. My mum and dad are pretty simple people. My mum likes going to a car boot, doing a bit of buying and selling. If she makes like, I don't know, the equivalent of 100 Canadian dollars, she'll be buzzing. My dad goes along with her. My dad was a uh, director of a big business in the city. So he was like shirt and tie every day. And my mom and dad are now buzzing to go to the car boot and make 50 quid. So they're pretty simple people. They never really had designer stuff. Uh, my mom does a shift in a charity shop nearby so she can keep an eye on any uh, good, good value items that come in. So I've come from quite a simple family. And um, I think I, the values around money I've definitely got from them. And I joke around with my good friends and I, Luke especially, we go, if it all ended tomorrow, if the internet for whatever reason discontinued and you know online business didn't exist and we had to go back to our old life we'd sit back and go what a fucking run you know and i think i'd probably be happier about the fact that i bought my parents a porsche than i did fucking 
you know, doing smart shit with my money and getting a property portfolio. The, the look on my dad's face when he drives his car brings me more joy than having three houses in an area of the UK that I wouldn't want to live in. I know. Amazing. Amazing. But I mean, like, I see it. I see it. I see it with my eyes. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, okay. What do we talk about next? What do you talk about next? Okay. I just feel like, you know, having that moment where he seems to have like, from what we see, um, from what Alicia's telling me about you, um, <laughs> you really have amazing values. And like, there's so much like in your personal life with your family and like, I know you have a nephew. I knew that I read your emails. I, I, I got this. Um, but anyways, um, it just seems like you like you know what you want and you're not afraid to like say it out loud and go for it and wait and kind of like test things out happiness you seem to really prioritize happiness um so that was also a part of our subjects today um you know we um we do that we had an, an event in october called choose happy so for us it's like make sure that you're choosing happiness over a number over a look over like you know, so we're actually helping people be happy, happier and not thinner. Does that make sense? Like, let's just like try to do this uh, in a way where we're making sure that we're valuing our happiness. And we think that you do that. Like you're, you do videos and yes, they're like on the edge and we are here for it, James. Um, but the message, if the person can just like put aside the like how it's like right in your face, which we personally do not put aside, we're here, like, we love it. The message is so always positive and always like, to make people feel good about them, you know, it's, it's good. You're doing, you're doing great. I think the values thing had definitely been a learning curve. It wasn't something that I was like kind of born with. So early on in my life, I went down the money route, worked in corporate shirt and tie. I was like, no, nah, this ain't living. And then I probably went down the aesthetic route when I was 24, 25, taking anabolic steroids, trying to get shredded, trying to get jacked. And then I was like, fuck, this ain't living. So it's kind of been like, pushing boundaries and then coming back, pushing boundaries, coming back. So it's probably taken me a decade to really fine tune my values and uh, probably to slightly hint into the next upcoming book, which is about confidence. It has a massive amount to do with values. People go, oh, how can you be so confident to say something? And the reason being is I understand my values so well that, you know, if, if my life was about impressing other people or, it was about not offending someone, then I wouldn't have this approach, but they're not my values. And social media kind of wants everyone to conform to the same values, you know, not offending people, not saying it how it is. And I, I always just like sitting back and saying like, you know, my values are about straight talking people. And I didn't want to straight talk with everyone. I said, I want to straight talk with people. So that allows me to have that approach. And it's crazy that people make it so far through life without questioning what makes them happy. I mean, I, yes. And like, yes. And okay. You were in that moment where you were in England going to work and you're like this, like there was that nagging feeling that said there's more to life than this, right? But you acted on that. How many people just stay stuck in their shitty, miserable lives? Yeah, so it, it felt more to me like a suffocation uh, than anything else. But the worst thing is you're suffocating around people that can breathe fine. So you you don't think it's a value thing. You think I'm I'm just not there yet. I'll mature into this. So I'm in a sales department with people and I was like, I look around and I was like, oh, these guys have been doing it longer than me. I'm maturing to this role. And then there were these little midlife crises that I had where I worked for this uh, IT security company. It was a division of EMC, which is a big American organization. They're based in Boston. And they, they fucked around for like a year, never giving me a contract. So I was uh, working off a timesheet, uh, which was actually meant I got paid a bit more. 
But then it got to the point where I was so bored. I was even taking days off and then scanning the timesheet from the week before and like just sending it across. I was like, I honestly don't care if I get fired. I was like, I was, like, I was going home early. I was like, I, I really don't care. And then a year in, they still didn't give me a contract. So I gave my rugby CV to a company online and got an offer to go play in New Zealand. So I accepted the offer before telling anyone at work. And I sat there with my manager and I was like, go to New Zealand in 10 days. She was like, you need to give notice. I was like, no, I don't. You still haven't sorted me a fucking contract. I haven't got to give you any notice. And I completely fucked the department by doing that because they didn't have time to replace anyone, but I didn't care. And I was like, cool. So I went to New Zealand, played rugby for six months, worked on a farm. I came back with facial hair. I shit you not, I was 23. I left without the ability to grow a beard. I worked on a farm, worked on a forestry. It's, you know, it's fucking cold in New Zealand. Uh, and... Then, yeah, I came back. But then I found myself going straight back into the corporate world. So I went into the corporate world again. And I was like, it's like getting back with your ex. <laughs> I was like, it was all right for the, the beginning. I was like, oh, you know, I know how this works. And then about a year in again, I was like, oh, fuck. So then I sold up my car, which was like my beloved car at the time. And I went to Southeast Asia with a girl I just started dating. Learned some lessons there. Don't go traveling with a girl you just started dating. Southeast Asia was amazing, though. But Southeast Asia was really good for my values because I was spending uh, I was spending six US dollars a night on accommodation, which is nothing. I was spending maybe fifteen to twenty US dollars a day on living, and when I came back from that, the financial spectrum of my mind had been completely changed. I was like, I've had such a good time with not a lot of money, and that was kind of really hitting deep. Now. I would not go back to these accommodation places that I went back to. Like, I'll make that clear to people. Like, don't, if you're 40 and you're used to luxury, do not go to certain places in Vietnam. I remember now, I had bed bugs. I just go down to reception. I was like, yeah, I've got bed bugs. He was like, okay, use this room. I was like, thanks, mate. Like, so uh, from a financial spectrum, this isn't, people can't just expect to, you know, meditate for 10 minutes and change their values. There have to be mistakes that you go wrong in life. It's like driving a, a ship in the ocean and realize you're going in the wrong direction then you come back the other way and then you're going too far in the other direction and there's a lot of course correction but you know so i'm so fortunate that i did throw myself into these situations where i learned from them and people that sounds very privileged to oh you played rugby overseas or you went traveling i worked for the money to afford that and you know i i always kind of ask myself like what's the worst that can happen and again, there is a point of privilege with this where my parents are still together. They, they live at home. My dad was still working. So if I completely fucked up my life, I'd just mow the lawn for my parents for $10. You know, like I could, I'd just become the, the, the groundsman in the house. I'd start doing the dishes to my mum. So, you know, I'd do the paper run for the local news agents. There was, for me, I was like, whatever happens, I can go back to that. But like you say, so many people don't do that. But I think that, you know, imagine turning up to your parents and going, mum, dad, I blew everything. I've got no money. I'm 30, but I gave it a fucking shot. I think that's better than your parents seeing you, you know, earn a good amount of money, have a nice car and finance, but come in going, I hate my job. Yeah. See, what we see with our members is, uh, you know, women our age who have small children and they lose themselves and they don't know how to prioritize their happiness. Like they don't know how to prioritize themselves again. Um, and they've definitely lost themselves in an identity. You had lost yourself almost like when you were in corporate world, um, who you wanted to be, like how you want to show up in your world. We feel like a lot of people are dealing with that, especially even with the pandemic. Like it's just everyone's like, I'm almost lost and don't know where to fit 
where they fit in in their own life i think um it's very, it's very difficult to speak on behalf of women, but I've been having a lot of conversations surrounding menopause and HRT and, and helping women within that space. And I concluded that women are in a position, and this is me being assumptive, by the way, that when they bear children, they often, in a very noble pursuit, give up their work and their professional life to bring up children, which I think is amazing. And that does contribute to the gender pay gap. And you know, I don't think that, oh, that's just fine. That's why I'm very pro the fact that when people are married, the woman is, uh, you know, legally allowed to be supported, you know, so I'm, I'm on both sides of that spectrum. And I, I, I think that almost there is a small part of the gender pay discrepancy that is noble. And we should celebrate that we should say, you know, we need an equal environment for men and women, but we need to accept that women are giving up high paid jobs for children. That's an incredible thing. That's not misogyny. That's not uh, tyrannical patriarchy. This is well done. Well done women. Let's make sure this thing's in place. Them. But there's an element of women falling on the sword quite a few times throughout childbearing, quite a few times giving up career, quite a few times. Even if you were to look at this, um, my assumed percentage of who wakes up in the middle of the night to tend to the children, I see that very much leaning towards the woman. So when things like menopause hit and women do not consider HRT, I feel like they've fallen on the sword so many times, they just bear the grunt of a hormonal deficiency on the premise that it's almost become accustomed to them. So when you say about women losing touch with our identity. Yeah, it's probably one of dozens of issues that so many women have gone through and just expected to brunt. And I think that the more women can understand that's that's not a fair deal. And I'm sure at the same time, I'd like to defend men. If this was better communicated between relationships where, you know, women go, look, I'm, I'm entitled to have my freedoms. I'm entitled to have hobbies. I'm entitled to have a social group. And I'm entitled to be supported to uh, ensure that I, I have something that plays into my values. If if a husband or a partner can understand his wife's or his partner's values better, then people can get along even better, but also people can keep their quality of life good. Because if you find a 44-year-old woman who's got three kids and she can't name the values that make her happy, we've got an issue. Yes. I, I've just thought of three more books for you while you're talking. <laughs> Not a menopause book, not a, not, <laughs> there's like sex advice. Not a values book. <laughs> but like, um, um, with the menopause stuff, I, I would always refer people to people that know more than me. And this is another thing that I think that people get wrong in the fitness industry. I think it can almost devalue your brand to try and help people with everything. And for me, Dr. Louise Newsom, who I've done a podcast with recently, when I say to people, go check out this person, the credit still comes around to me for pointing someone there. Like, let's say one of your friends recommends a cafe that's got the best coffee. Suddenly you're like, oh, do you know what? Tracy's a great friend because she recommended that. And I wish more trainers would be like, you know, I'm sure if some guys came to you and were like, yeah, I really want to do CrossFit once, you'd be like, well, maybe go to a CrossFit gym. You know, it wouldn't be like, shit, guys, let's get, let's learn all the acronyms for CrossFit overnight. Nope, agreed. Yes, absolutely. Yes. yes. Um Okay, I've, I've got, I want to go to the next thing. So um, we love that you have made a space for normalizing, especially someone like you, who's a personal trainer, that it is okay if there's a little bit of extra stuff that things can jiggle. Normalizing having a little percentage of body fat. And you really have the conversation about let's not be pretend that having a six pack is fun. Like, let's really talk about what it takes to look like that. And then if you want that, fine, sure. But let's also have the other side of the conversation. 
And I think, I mean, women need to hear that for sure, but men, there's not a lot of men that are doing that. So. So there's, it's, do you know what? It's a very interesting point. And for, like I say, like a decade, I was trying to get a six pack and only in the last few years, I realized that I'm very lean on all parts of my body, but my stomach. And I did a post the other day where I was like, I felt like I really got fat. So I did a DEXA, I was going to do 12 weeks dieting and then do a DEXA at the end. And when I did my DEXA, the, the beginning, day one, where I thought I was my fattest, I was 11.8%, which for wow. most, yeah, most guys would probably have visible abs with that. And then I realized that I had a fat distribution issue, not a body fat issue. And the subjective nature of how many men must be in my shoes that don't know this. And they're like, so every day when I wake up, where do I look? My stomach. I've got veins through my legs. I've got very lean arms. I spend 99.5% of my life in vest and shorts. Yeah, I was concerned about the one area of my body that's covered up for almost all of it. Not to mention the fact that if I look at the relationships I've had in the last five, 10 years, when I've got leaner, I've actually, in a lot of cases, disgruntled the person I'm dating and they've gone, I prefer you how you look before. I'm now almost trying to conform to what other, I'm almost trying to impress other men again. I'm now trying to impress the guy on the train who was looking at my watch. I'm now trying to impress the guy at the gym who's watching me unrack some weights. I've got so far removed from my original values in pursuit of impressing the wrong people. So again, now at 32, I would still say I'm, I'm in good shape. I'm fit. You know, I could do an hour of wrestling. Uh, I could, if you can wrestle like another man for an hour, that's fitness. You ask me to do a 5k, I might be fucked for a few days, but um, it's one of those things where I feel good and I'm sleeping well, I'm having sex, I get in the sunlight. And I've got all these things that kind of add up to make me feel good about myself. Like who should come in and be able to tell me differently? And for women, the same goes. I think there's a lot more biological uh, factors in play for women that they do need to have a high level of body fat. There's less, less trade-offs for a man. And also I must admit to people that I'm also in a point of privilege where not because I'm, not because I'm white or not because I'm cisgender or not because I'm straight, but I'm in a point of privilege that I'm nearly 100 kilograms. So I burn calories at a higher rate than other people. When I start a fat loss diet, I can lose a couple of kilograms in the first week if I go to low calories because I burn 3,000 calories a day. So I got slammed earlier on this year for misinterpreting privilege. I was like, no, 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 I just get, I just get assumed privilege for the wrong things. People go, ah, oh, because you're straight. You know, that's why you've done well. I was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, I do want to normalize the amount of body fat that people have because if someone can turn around and go yeah i've got a bit of fat but i'm i'm healthy i'm fit i'm active i'm bossing it and i like to say to other guys hey if there was one job in the world that would scrutinize you for having body fat it's a personal trainer and i've done pretty well at it <laughs> that's a great pep talk i mean it's it's and definitely in the world i'm sure you've seen like because you make fun of either posts or some tiktoks that you've seen which we are here for it um but it's the freaking ab workouts like you have these like tiny women that have 15, 18% body fat and they're like lean, 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 lean. And they're like, all right, everyone. And then they're on their back and they're just crunching it out and just like fancy shit and they're doing their lunges. And then you have like their normal, most not normal, common, common body. And then they think they're going to do some of that and bec become that, you know? And there's just like that conversation's not out there enough for me. I would love for everyone to understand that there's also so many parts to, like you said, um, fat uh, dis disposal. distribution. There distribution, you go. Yeah. I don't, I like this is, James. And how many people can really say, I enjoy training my core? 
Like for me, it's miserable. I do four sets a week. There are some women that get corgasms. Do you know about this? No. Tell us everything. Some women experience an orgasm training, especially their core region. It's called a corgasm. It's bullshit. Yeah. No, I, will be, I will be Googling that immediately. There we go. I'll get it off you now. I still, I, you still couldn't make me do Orgasms are expanded orgasms or exercise-induced orgasms, most often reached through core workouts. They spread to your lower belly and legs. They feel very different from vaginal orgasm and are more similar, similar to a clitoral orgasm. Did you? Silence. Look at this man. Look what he's teaching us here today. <laughs> So uh, I've, had, I've had clients uh, that have had it before, but also a girl that I was seeing. So she was a, she was a CrossFitter. She was an athlete as well. And um, she, she told me in confidence, I was like, shut the fuck up. And then over the years, I've heard it since. There's your snippet for social media. Wow. Wow. He's wow. just a source of knowledge. <laughs> all that knowledge. Actually, you know what? I was listening to the Fair Points podcast, which I'm very happy is back and being consistent. So you can tell... Ferris and Sunny that we're really happy that everyone's back. Um, and um, what were you talking about? Uh, I think it was um, stomach orgasms. I think that's what we were talking about. But do you remember like I said to you that uh, I can't be too assumptive of what people want? So what's crazy is, right, I get fucking experts from mad topics, people that have been on Joe Rogan, and I get them on the podcast, this many downloads. I sit with my friends and talk about our favorite porn genre up here. Absolutely. And it blows my mind that a shit production podcast with some mates shooting the shit with no prep dominates the space. And I would love to, you know, I'd Hicks and Gracie, one of the, the guy that like made jujitsu a thing. I have him on the podcast. Downloads are here. We're talking about fucking Ferris with his Arabic words. We're up here. And I wish like there's part of me that was, oh, I've had some of the most, I've, I've got the world's leading menopause expert on. But the fair points is in a day getting nearly half the amount of downloads. It blows my fucking mind. Um, did you die when Ferris shared his genre of porn? Fucking hell. Passionate. And I was like, sometimes I like feel bad. The boys really ride <laughs> Ferris. But then he said, I'm like, it's over. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't help himself. He didn't even say a lot in that podcast, but that was, yeah, that was incredible. But you know what? It's, it's so nice to have these kind of places where uh, we can have these discussions and that we try, we, we definitely trod the mark there a little bit on that one, but I feel that's what people need because everyone's talking about censorship and this and that and all of this political stuff. Just to hear someone say that I didn't even know there was a passionate genre watching porn. <laughs> Um, but I remember what I was going to say. Um, I, I feel like you were, I don't know if I know this or I'm assuming this or whatever, but school maybe wasn't your favorite thing. I hated it. Like I didn't have many friends. I didn't really, uh, I, the idea of going to class was hugely fatiguing for me as well. Sitting in one place, I could sit on my laptop. And even when I do that, I juggle a lot of tasks. I never knew or understood my capability for learning until I was like 25 or 26. Sounds crazy because I've been, I'd say the first 25 years of my life, I was numb to the point of learning because I didn't understand how I could learn well. Even now, if I listen to things uh, orally, I keep saying to people, I'm pretty sure, let me double check this, A-U-R-A-L-L-Y. Yeah, so if you, when people say oral, they think like blowjobs, but no, A-U-R-A-L no. is yeah. learning through the ears. So when I say that, I just double check. Orally listening to podcasts and audiobooks. I can retain that knowledge forever. But if I'm sat in a classroom or 
you know, I went to one lecture at university and I was like, no, I, I can't do this. I can't do this for years. Again, it was that kind of suffocation thing, especially if I'm not getting paid for it. Um, I mean, the, the system in, in England as well is, don't even get me started on that. The school system is not conducive to end, to, to anyone learning anything. Um, I think that, like, I, again, I'm not an expert in this field, but imagine if you went to school and there were you know, options and you got to pick where you went to. Yes. Do you know if you if you wanted to work resistant materials four out of four sessions to do that and if you want to do english literature do that but the idea of forcing people to to learn things they don't want to learn or even like when we did history i learned medicine through time right which was dog shit. if you've been telling me about stalin hitler the cold war you know pol pot in cambodia i would have been like this is fucking gnarly i would have been there 10 minutes before a lesson like sir how come it's racist to talk about Hitler or dress up as him for Halloween, but dress up as Stalin, no one says anything. Like, you know, so many questions even now that I'm thinking about. And I'm like, wow, why did we read of Mice and Men? Like, get people to read The Hunger Games. I know. Um, but we, um, you know, the way that you take in learning and knowledge is amazing. I love hearing you talk about stuff on the Fair Points pod podcast that you're obviously taking it in. And what's happening is you're curious. You're a curious person. Even questions you're asking us, you're a curious person. And that's how you've like learned. You yeah, I think so. I think you even. Tell more, do you want me to tell you more things about you? <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, She's I'll, like, I'll, you are a curious person james oh my god you if you had heard our messages before this moment she's like so uh do i need to debrief you i'm like debrief me like you have a chapter of what you like what i'm like i'll just let you do your thing alicia oh my god i feel like i'm in my first therapy session <laughs> I, I like um, okay i feel like time is running out i want to get to things okay a million followers are we are we going to vegas so the, this is the concern as well. When I hit a million, I'm going to have to actually have a period where I continue growing because the amount of followers I'll lose celebrating one million. So on a weekly basis, I lose half of the amount of followers I gain. So if I gain 10,000 this week, I'll lose 5,000. If I gain 2,000, I'll lose one. If I gain 100,000, I'll lose 50,000. Because in the process of building, say I do very, very engaging posts that build my following, I also then show up on people's timelines who are sick to death of me. So. There's a, the grow, there's a growth and expansion then in December when I was in Texas living it up. My posts were about what I was doing, not how I could help people. And then I lost a lot of followers. But I was like, again, I was like, fuck it. I was like, if you don't like seeing me jump in a river in Austin, you go fuck yourself. Like, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, how can I win you back, babe? So there's, we're going to have to go past the million follower mark. Uh, then again, thinking, uh, well, I say thinking, we've already said it, private jet to Vegas from the UK. Uh, with all my best friends that can come. I would say, I'll give my friends in Australia notice. I say, I need you to come to the UK so we can fly there. Now, the cost of that, this trip, will pretty much be all the money I'll get from my next book. But again, if this all ends in a few months, what a way to go. Like, imagine, you know, I, I'm never promised the next few years. Let's say I, I get a terminal illness in two years. I'm like, thank God I went to Vegas on a private jet. You know, and, and again, there's, it, this this might sound a bit wanky like I've, I've taken some of my friends on jets before with money i couldn't afford for i may add and i was like how many people can go through life saying they've taken friends on a jet like how many people can say that and i was like wow i'm i'm, I'm in a position to be in the top echelon of of making my friends lives better and, and it sounds wanky to say this some of my friends 
will never be able to afford business class, but I can afford to pay for their business class. So I'm like, no matter what happens, even if I stop talking to this friend in a few years, they will never forget that. Even if we're not talking, even if we're not friends, like that's something that I could do and influence their life. They might be 60 and their kids say, granddad, you ever flown business? I go, yeah, do you know what? A good friend of mine back in the day paid for me to do it. So like for that 1 million, I want to be like, guys, let's just go, let's go. But I'm dating a girl at the moment. And I said to her, I'm gonna need you to fly to Vegas for the day we finish, just so I can lay there, put my head in your lap. And you can just tell me it's all gonna, because we're gonna go hard and you girls are welcome to come. Uh, well, I mean, don't well, you, you can send, we're waiting for an invitation. When you hit 1 million, you'll have like a few days of like, kind of going back to nine, nine. No, 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 nine, so nine, when, nine. when we hit a million, I need to get it to a million and 10, million and 15, million. Exactly, and so send the invite at a million. So by the time okay. it gets here, it's at least a few days. We'll continue ready. to ask Luke. How far yes. is the flight to Vegas from New Brunswick? Vegas would be, it's like on the other end, right? Yeah. Really? So five hours? Like two, so it's, well, it would be New Brunswick, Toronto or Montreal. So two, two, two to two and a half hours. And then it's four and a half hours from that to Vegas. I went there for my honeymoon. Ooh. And we're, and we're bringing uh, Alicia there on her 40th this October. So do you think that'll match up? Do you think oh, it could trying. be October? We could try and mix things. Well, let's, well, if I have a slow social media growth, never know. Or we could be celebrating a million on Facebook. Right? When is the projection? What is the projection? When would this be? I don't look. I only, the, 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 the next one is 9.10. So until we get to 9.10, we can't celebrate a million. Like, same with okay. weight loss, goal set, everything, one at a time. So uh, yeah, Luke messaged me this morning. He goes, 91 to go. So I've got 91 victories before you get the call up. All okay, right, perfect. At 1 million, we won't forget. You'll forget about us, but we won't forget. We will send you a message. Remember that time you invited us to go? Like, we'll be ready. Don't even, don't even test us. Okay, I want to talk next. about happiness. We kind of talked about it, but like, I think <laughs> that your next book, book number four, should be not a happiness book. Um, I see you finding happiness in the smallest things like a chocolate croissant, a nap, um, all of these little, little things that some people don't take the time to get that happiness from. So my question for you is, I saw you creating happiness with my level 12 stalker status. I saw you creating happiness in Texas, in Mexico, in Dubai, being like, Hey, I can't do what I want to do, but I'm going to make the most of what I can do. How do you create happiness no matter what country you're in? Like, is there something you do every day? yeah so the, the dip in the morning but i can't do that in the uk coffee is another one like sitting with a cup of coffee i'm very lucky that i can tie happiness and productivity to my work because my work is stuck to me wherever i go so that's why i'm um, the the second book not a life coach is so important to get people to love work because you can deport me from australia i still have my work you can send me to uk in winter i still have my work and if I didn't have my work that I loved, I would have my dips taken away, good coffee taken away, whatever it is. So that's that's a really integral one for me. And the, the I would never have loved a cafe before I worked online because I had nothing to do. I just sit there with the laptop like, what? Now I've got unlimited tasks. And running a business through social media means that the more effort I put in, the more I get in return. So I no longer have dead time. If I'm in an airport for three hours, I'm like, oh, I can work. So that's why I think that even if people have a side hustle you know uh, you know there's a side hustle for everything that you could potentially do even if it can my housemate is building little tables in the spare time to sell to people like he's got a little passion project and i said to him he's flying home to the uk tonight if he's stuck 
three hours. He should be fucking promoting that. DM everyone that follows you one by one and saying, hey, can I build you something? Hey, do you want to jump on a call? Hey, can I email you? And that hustle is infectious and it's, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, for me, I'm, I'm very lucky that the nucleus of my happiness, I have my habits, my work, my productivity, the ability to you know sit in front of a camera and say things that can influence people's lives for the better. Um, but yeah, and then I just try, that's my cake and everything else is the icing, getting sunlight, get being in good weather. Um, and you know, those things would definitely change when I do have kids and a, and a family. Like for me now I'm in Peter Pan mode because I don't have a family, but when I have a family, I'm not going to be like, Oh, see you later. I'm off to get some sun. Then my values will change going, you know, before my kids go to bed, Hey, what do you want to do tomorrow morning? What do you want to do? Even if it's baking at 6am, let's fucking burn the kitchen down and get in trouble with my wife. You want to go for a swim in the sea? Let's do that. You want to piss off your little sister? Let's go get a horn and wake her up when, you know, like, so I know a lot of people listening to be like, oh, it's okay for you because you're young and free. But then again, those things are just going to change when I get older. As long as those, those values are accessible every day, then I'll be happy with that. That's the reason why you need to go to Vegas is because as soon as you have humans, you're, I don't want to say your life is over. There's a temporary period of time where your life is over. Okay, it's a different ever- life. It's a different it's life, great. everyone. You can. We're thinking of warning Jordan side, but I see that he already knows that he's not going to be sleeping anymore because he announced today that his wife was pregnant. Did you miss it? Oh no, I messaged her. Uh-huh. Congratulations. She's lovely as well. She uh, seems. She seems great. Yeah, she's really cool. Um, um, loved you two together as well too. The height difference between you guys. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I'm I'm actually six foot. The guys that say they're six foot often aren't. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's good. He's good at jiu-jitsu as well. So uh, yeah, we had a little bit of a roll. I have uh, the fortunate ability to go around and get choked out or choke out most of the people that I meet these days. It seems like you love just jujitsu. Maybe that's what you do in every country. You have been. Yeah, it's that's another integral thing to my values. That again, I've created uh, a progression like a another nucleus that no one can take away. You can delete my social media, I've still got jiu-jitsu. Family member can die, I've still got jiu-jitsu. Uh, I could go to Alaska, uh, you know, and I would go to a BJJ gym. Second I walk in and I tie my purple belt, I'm one of them. So, you know, it's like a, another extended family outside of everything else, it's very respectful. And again, I'm six years of full-time training away from a black belt. And then even when I get my black belt, that's when people say the learning really begins. So again, uh, you know, people with fitness, they often hit this like little plateau. They're like, okay, I'm in good shape. I can run a good time. What next? But also anyone that experiences relative success, they need grounding. And I get beaten up at least once a week. I, I don't mean beaten up. And without that, I'm, I'm real wipe the mats down at the end of the fucking session. So like, it doesn't matter if I've got a million followers, 10 million, it doesn't matter, whatever. I still have got to get the, mop, the mops and mop up with everyone. I've still got to, you know, last night, uh, the instructors are asking me to sit with the new guys. And I'm like, yeah, I love that. Like, you know, let's, let, let me go do this and help some of the new guys with stuff. So I think that that's why you're I, in the next few years, we're going to see a lot more people like you've got Jonah Hill, uh, he's a blue belt. Now you've got, um, like quite a few people in Hollywood that are now getting into jujitsu. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's incredible to start a journey that, you know, you're going to be with till you, you literally can't get out of bed anymore. And even then I'll just start teaching. So yeah, that's another integral part of what makes me happy. As long as there's somewhere I can train, which there is everywhere, then I'm um, happy days. So find a way to move your body in a way you enjoy. Find a way to make money in a way that you enjoy. 
and surround yourself with people and coffee and time and and you know like that that's the secret oh so mushy and lovey right oh <laughs> uh, how's your list going there leash it's good okay we're gonna let you go because time is our most precious resource yes, like yes. we appreciate this so much this meant so much to us you have no idea and our followers actually had someone say thank you for um tell him to say thank you for talking about hormone replacement therapy it made me feel um normal so our members and our followers adore you and so they we just want to say thank you thank like, you very much and we yeah. like can't wait for the rest the rest of your life we want to see the dogs <laughs> we want to see the babies we want to see if this girl is the wahid we want to see you get your um your next book your tours i hope i'm in england the same time as you is there an England we, tour coming? Is there a North American tour? Like I wanted to ask him this. Like, is are we ever thinking of coming to Canada? Are we like, what are we? What's happening? Or even just the U.S.? We would go see you everywhere. So uh, we've got dates being for UK and Australia. We're doing signups for America. It'll probably be at the end of this year, or maybe into next year. It's just about kind of the agglomeration of you want a certain amount of signups somewhere before hiring a venue. So uh, we are going to be coming. So just. What I would say to people in America and Canada is if you do see me put out a sign-up form, pop your name down, send it to your friend, get them to pop their name down. And then when we see a lot of sign-ups and there's a bit of a hotspot, John, again, I would happily fly to Canada to talk in front of 100 people. Can we can we start our own form? How, how does one get access to creating their own form? I'm I'll create not even kidding. I'll create the form. Uh, we'll put it out there. We'll get the sign-ups going and we'll, we'll get some stuff done on state soil and Canadian soil. You're getting. I will be reaching out to Luke after this podcast. The stalking will be continuing. <laughs> okay, so before, before we go, we have to take a nice picture. I mean, the the this is, this is how it makes it real, right, everyone? Yeah. Right. Okay, so we're gonna take a nice picture. You guys ready, team? We're ready. Oh my god, we need to make sure it's pretty. Just a sec. Oh my god, it's perfection. Let's do another one again. Do it this angle, everyone. <laughs> Okay, James, to solo. Like, it, this is just, this was amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing on social. It's working. And we'll see you in Vegas. Thank you very much. Cheers for having me. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. See ya.